Well, it's that time of year again, fellas and fellerets who may be listening. It's sales kickoff time. Who's who's excited about sales kickoff? Oh yeah, yeah. It's when uh, when two salespeople who love each other celebrate their special day. <laughs> or wait, that's Valentine's Day. <laughs> Babies don't come from storks, Matt Ray, and deals don't come from donuts. I think I think we all yeah. know that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I was just reading one of yeah. those uh, books to my son last night. Babies don't come from from storks. He's he's <laughs> into it. Reading them a sale, sales kickoff. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, it was a little. It was. I have to admit, I had a. Uh, I had a bit of a. Uh, you know, uh, what, what was the beaver's name? Ward. I had a bit of a Ward Cleaver moment where I was like, I'm 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 a modern major general here. Gonna gonna tell my son about about the lady bits and everything. It's laid out in this book. I'm sure it's safe. And then it's like, you know, girls have have a vulva and a vagina and a clitoris. And I was like, Whoa, what's going on here? But I guess I guess that's that's what the kids are, are learning nowadays. Tonight maybe now we'll read the section to... on boys. Uh yeah. Hopefully he's got that those parts down. Mm. Um but yeah, make sure you, you tag this episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, explicit. We should have said we should have given the dads and the, the parents the heads up on the earmuffs oh, you know, right yeah. away on yeah. that. Yeah, we we don't want to uh, we don't want all of our child listeners to to be uh, unduly influenced. Well, as as they say in that other podcast, uh, we only disclaim that so the cool baby out there knows how cool they are. What's up, you cool baby? But yeah, it is. Uh, it was fun. It's it's a nice book telling telling kids about uh, what's going on there. But now let's go back to sales kickoffs. Now I feel like yes. I feel like most every year I, I like to ask advice about how how we get through sales kickoffs. How to survive, and this year, the situation is a little different because this year I'm going to be up on the main stage twice. Now, let me tell you, let me tell you how this happens to a uh, fellow like me who's who's uh, figuring out where babies come from. Like uh, one, I'm going to give a five minute talk about DevOps. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried to give a talk on DevOps, but five minutes is I don't I think it's going to take me that long just to introduce who I am. So I'm gonna have to figure that out, and then and then two. I was talking about this with someone earlier. I have been uh, I'm putting together a script to go over all the stuff that marketing can help salespeople with. And man, t- talk about uh, talk about a harrowing experience writing a script. We actually had there was no table, but we had what you'd call a table read today. Whew, man, so weird. Now, all right, I well. Wanna- I was gonna say before you go, Mary, if I could jump in here right away, it's like I think I think you're kind of off to like a bad title here. You don't want to go in without marketing can help sales. I, I think that's a, the wrong way to go. I think <laughs> I think you want to go with how what what assets or what things do we have to close deals? Like what are the things that will help you close deals at different stages? So for mm. example, if you're like, uh, hey, you know, you're calling up some of your existing customers, you're trying to get a meeting, you're trying to get them excited. We have this thing you can do, like a new white paper or like a new kind of meeting or a kind of survey, like kind of something that makes it real easy and obvious to them where they should use it, right? Or we've got this new pricing and this is how the upgrades kind of stuff. So like everything is catered back to like really a, a, a phase in the sales pipeline or sales process. You're always pointing back to like, we have this thing to help mm. you in this phase and this thing, because if you start with how marketing uh, can help sales, it's everyone, salespeople are just going to go to the bar. 
They're going to oh, let oh, someone I, out. I, I hear that. And they go right that. to the bar. So that, that would be my, uh, my strong recommendation. Now, now I have been trying I, – I started thinking about how I could work in – getting people to meet us at the bar at the end. So maybe maybe that's more directing. But now <laughs> now the good news is I appreciate your notes, Brandon. That's that's good stuff. Uh I, I might see if I can give you an uncredited credit uh on on the listing. But I ha- uh, you know basically that's the process that you have. We got a whole planning a meeting, how it fits into the sales process, all sorts of stuff. Now, actually the title, the working title is uh what is it? The simple act of getting from point A to point B. Because what I've done, I'm, I'm boasting here a little bit, is I figured, you know, you need to have a company. So I thought I would have Macmillan from Patriot. You're going to go visit Macmillan. So uh, I'll see if I can talk about, like, flim flams and Dobby Dorps, things like that. I don't know. But we'll see how this goes. This is going to be crazy. You ever you ever do a uh, some sort of play in a corporate setting? What did you get? Did you and recruited a salesperson to come up there with you? No, no, I thought about that, but but I haven't done that. This is a little too. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on. That was my my original idea, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. You know, you know how this stuff goes. I also need to write a column for the register. So there's only there's only so much I can really put put effort into things. Huh. But wouldn't that be nice? Have a salesperson up there. Well, that's what gets people. I've, every sales cap kickoff I've been to, that like when people are paying attention, it's like somebody that made a lot of money in the previous year, getting up, telling mm-hmm. the story. That's that's just where everyone clues in. Like yeah, people yeah. are awake. Like you want to go. Like if you're presenting, you want to go right after that guy, and then you want to say like, "Yeah, I helped that guy do it, and here's yeah. what he did." Right, and then yeah. they that. Uh, so if you can do it, if you you know doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I think a, I was going to say, I, I think a, a good working title for any talk, if you want sales's attention is how can I make you more money? That's right. <laughs> that's right. And I mean, cause you know, marketing is, it, it's one of those things that they're probably not going to acknowledge, but if you're not there, they're going to miss you. And, and you know, uh, salespeople are, are a fairly independent lot. Uh, but if you can help them close deals, get leads, you know, they're, they're going to appreciate uh, that, especially like Brandon was saying, if you can, if you could tie it to this guy made a whole lot of money because X, you know, because of, you know, the white paper. Mm. You know, you would think you would think that the uh, that the marketing people would have good case studies on that about themselves. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if that's the case. I wonder if they take time to write their own case studies. Anyways, listen, listen, I am just the hired hack here. I made that very clear at the beginning. But we'll we'll see how it pans out. I think it'll be great. I was if anyone has a has a good idea of how to remember that VMware cloud head. I wanted I wanted to get that outfit. I don't know who still has that, but uh, maybe maybe I can get some poster board and a bunch of cotton balls. And do you think that would fit in the overhead bin, like a big big uh, three by two maybe cloud head? I I think you 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 assemble it when you get there. Oh, that's like some special forces <laughs> shit. Maybe it like parachutes in there. I'll be in lovely San Diego, so maybe I can just come up on the beach with with like a waterproof kit, and then uh, and then you assemble it. That's good. That's good. Maybe I'll use my uh, helmet camera to help get guiding guidance from Houston about what to do. Hmm. Hmm. Well, Cote, K- before you like we transition off this, maybe the best way for you just to end your talk is just the simplest thing: it's telling them all, "Hey, if you need help." Uh, with a customer explaining all this crazy nonsense, I'm happy to come out with you 
and give them a presentation because that ultimately every single sales guy there will remember that one thing mm. now, that could be a curse that could honestly be a curse and you may not want to do that but they will all write down your name and you'll get a lot of phone calls to come out and help now now that's, a, that's that's an interesting idea we have like five other people in the support organization they come out and they give a little spiel but i had not thought to promote myself i i thought you know i would be up there with the cloud head on and that would be enough maybe you're right maybe i need to be more direct you know, I think I think what they tell you in sales is you got to ask, right? You got to ask for something or else uh I don't know, you're in red oceans or something. <laughs> yes, you're, you're you're drowning in red oceans otherwise. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but that should be let me know how that goes. Let me, you know, put it up there. Let me see what people do. I want to know. Now, now I think it was maybe 2 years ago that we talked about sales kickoffs because uh last year at Pivotal we had a virtual sales kickoff which which I have to say, from a personal perspective, was delightful because it meant I had to go nowhere and I uh, I watched a lot of videos, which I found informative. It was fine, but you don't really need tips for that. But but let's do. Do you all have any new or evergreen tips? So you're at the sales kickoff, right? Uh, you've traveled somewhere. You know you've got your decks cleared. Like what? what what's your game plan? What are you going to do? We've already gone over the presentation. Basically, you're going to be like, hey, leads closing deals business haha right but uh what what are you doing in the off time what's the hallway con that you're doing should i be going up to my room and catching up on like you know game of thrones or something i don't think that's even out at the moment i (laughs) I think i think the the second part of the walking dead season is coming out very soon so maybe that i should cue that up what should i be doing uh well you know on behalf of your employer they're, they're probably not paying to for you to to watch netflix in your room um, but they also don't want you to, uh, you know, get alcohol poisoning. Um, it, it's the key is you need to be bonding with other salespeople, um, and, and finding like what works for them. So when the time comes, like you need to call in a favor and like, Oh yeah, that Kote guy, he's the one who, you know, we did shots and, and, uh, uh, what's that city across the border there in Mexico? Tijuana. <laughs> Tijuana. Yeah. Yeah, so so oh, actually that that's that's tip zero of San Diego. Don't go to Tijuana. Mm. Um, but but you know there there's actually rapport to be built, and you know salespeople are actually kind of team oriented, and you know they they are individualistic, but you know if if something can help them, uh, they need to have a warm introduction. And so you know go do the social thing. Don't don't overdo it. That's that's another pro tip is. Uh, uh, not that I've done that, but I, <laughs> I've seen salespeople uh, lose their job at sales kickoffs. So don't do that either. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's a great time if you want to just like, you know, depending on how much you know and what what you want to know, like to like get a really a pulse of like what's really happening. So like yeah. definitely there's like a top, there's usually a group of like top sales engineers or in case of your case, like probably pivots, right? Where, you know, getting with that group for like an hour, and, you know, kind of getting them going, like, what's working? What isn't working? Like, what what is the thing that everyone wants us to talk about but isn't really resonating? And more importantly, what's the thing that they're kind of coming up with on the fly that is resonating? Because that's always, mm-hmm. like, where the like the best new messaging. Like, if you want to keep stuff fresh, right, it's kind of just mining that group of people. And then I think on the sales side, it's kind of the same thing around who are the top sales guys trying to hear about, like, what they did 
Is there anything repeatable? And then who are the new sales guys coming in? Because they're also a really good balance of like, where do they come from? What competitive information do they have? What is their perspective on the industry? So you can pull that information out. And then, you know, marketing is always thrown around, but like really when you get into marketing, you want to like go into the different disciplines. So if you want to know like what's happening in demand gen, right? Like who are the people running the programs? What programs are working? What's producing good contacts? What isn't? That gives you kind of a sense of like where people are coming from and then kind of on the, the product strategy, product management standpoint, like what are those guys thinking? So, I mean, if you think about it, if it's like a day or two, if you can kind of spend an hour with each one of those groups, you can pretty much walk back with like almost, you know, in your case, Cote, I know you like to write. It's almost like a summary of like, here's kind of the the trip report of what's going on in the company. Because it is kind of the only time that you can kind of just move between the groups all in one setting, right? Because otherwise it's very difficult. So I like, I don't know. And then, of course, just meeting people, as Matt Ray said. Yeah, that that is a nice aspect. It is it is good to like, as, as you say, uh, ask people how it's going, what works and doesn't work. That's fun to discover what uh, you know. Use your your uh, lean startup methodology. What, what's your theory of what works, and to discover things that do that that'll be fun. But basically, I think I think the last two times we talked about this, number one item, one whole slide. Don't get shit faced. That's that's pretty much <laughs> what I'm hearing here. If if you manage to not get shit faced, you will will have succeeded. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's probably a good lesson <laughs> yeah. that you should learn, uh, you know, How, in life. Well, the, yeah, I mean, but especially um, in, in in the you know the sales uh, side of things, like you know, there's always a lot of socializing, and you know, you don't have to drink, but you're going to be in situations where people are drinking. You need to uh, you need to know how to like you know pace yourself properly. Um, I, I usually go like one alcoholic drink to about two or three waters or sparkling hmm. waters. Or, hmm. I like your theory. Do you have a newsletter? <laughs> I do. I do. So let's uh, let's pivot to talking about the software defined talk newsletter. Well, you know, just 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 one one thing on that point. I I've been thinking like what I would really like is is you know I want to be healthy, but I've I've thought about this several times recently. Is like. I want these nanobots. I want there to be some sort of like like uh, Internet of Things like monitor of like my system and my liver. That's basically like you know you can have another drink now and and not kill yourself. Mm. Like, wouldn't that be nice to like know what your personal level? I don't know if the CRISPR can help me out <laughs> well, with that or something, but it would be nice to know. Like, because you got to like like you said, you're like I got to have two waters here. Or I don't do that there. Or now I'm a vegan right. or, or whatever the fuck. And and it would just it would just be nice to like have some like uh, some dashboard as it were yeah that would tell you like you're good or maybe like wait so, forty five minutes so some sort of Jiminy Cricket for alcohol poisoning I got you mm, yeah. I like that Jiminy Cricket for alcohol poisoning yeah <laughs> just up there on your shoulder in a little top hat yeah yeah it's like oh Cote you should have another beer <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> ta 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 oh, ta ta <laughs> and we just offended some folks uh, oh, that's okay can you really and, offend Irish people I don't know if that's possible <laughs> wow uh, you know my my uh, my maiden name so to speak is Murphy so I fe- so I'm offended deeply offended mm. by that mm. is that an Irish name 
I'm not sure. Well, you know, as you mentioned, we do have a newsletter. I hope everyone out there has been enjoying the newsletter. And also, uh, we released, uh, you know, this, what is currently my favorite episode of our new podcast, Software Defined Interview. Is it interviews? I should look this up. But it probably is interviews. Plural. You got it. Yeah, there yep, you go. Interviews. So if you go to softwaredefinedinterviews.com, you can find. Uh, I, I did an interview with an old friend of mine, Nancy Goring, who works at Four Five One Research. Uh, she was an editor before that and wrote a bunch of tech news. But she basically covers monitor application performance management, monitoring, not just the monitor, uh, and uh, you know things like log management, uh, advanced analytics, all of that monitoring stuff. Uh, you know, she like knows what observability is and has opinions on those kind of people. And and she's delightful. So we had about a, an hour or so to talk and she had just written a um, an overview of the space, kind of cataloging all the people in there. And I think it even has some open source projects if you're into that kind of thing. But so I had her give me a kind of just a uh, overview of what's going on in that space, kind of check in in the monitoring area. And uh, it was it was a fun episode. You should go check it out if you just go to uh, softwaredefinedinterviews.com. Now, Brandon... On Monday, when we publish these, you've, you've got a, a very special episode coming up, I think. Who did you interview? Uh, I interviewed the one and only uh, No SSH JJ. So uh, JJ tells us all about things we need to know about DevOps. He tells us what it's like to interview with Matt Ray. He uh, uh, breaks the silence on what it's like to work at Chef. And uh, even uh, we even review what it's like to become an Eagle Scout. So lots of good information for uh, all audiences. So check it out. Monday morning, it'll be out. Yeah, I think I think you provided the cover art for last episode, so thanks to JJ for that. That's that's good stuff. Well, also, this episode's brought to you by Datadog. Now, it's, speaking of monitoring, I don't know if you uh, if you're into a wall or maybe a lap full of dashboards. You want to monitor all these application services that you have out there. You might even, if you're lucky enough and you've got the liver nanobots, you want to make a dashboard to check up on, on uh, that, get some notifications of what's going on. But they've got a monitoring platform that basically works with cloud-scale infrastructure and applications, the whole kit and caboodle of modern applications you might make. And it's built by engineers, which is good because you wouldn't want it built by people who aren't engineers. But it's also nice because it's also for engineers. So you can imagine there's a lot of, uh, I guess no pun intended, dog fooding going on or dog dataing. I don't really know. But they, they have over 200 different things or technologies, as people like to say, that they monitor for you, like AWS and Matt Ray's favorite chef. They have Docker. They'll manage all your various types of cloud platforms and no end of things. I'm sure your middlewares and your databases, stuff like that. And they also, you know, it's multi-user, so you can have your whole team, like, look at the dashboards and set them up, do sorts of uh, your log and your, your pinging and all that kind of exciting stuff to get a view of what's going on with your applications and infrastructures. So they got a deal for us. I don't know if you've heard about this, listeners. I'm not wearing my Datadog t-shirt today, but I'll tell you which one I am wearing uh, later. But uh, all you have to do, if you go to datadog.com slash software defined talk, you just sign up for an account, create one dashboard. You know, again, you could monitor your infrastructure, your liver, whatever you got, and uh, they'll send you a T-shirt. It's a nice sort of subtly purple shirt with a little cute dog on it. It's very soft. I like it. it it's even sort of long enough that you can tuck it in if you're into that kind of thing. But uh, it's great. So just test it out. Go over there to uh, datadog.com slash software defined talk, create a dashboard, and get a T-shirt. So uh, thanks to them for, for, you know, their ongoing support. They've been an advertiser with us for a while. And uh, we'll remind you about it towards the end as well. So also, uh, I had some follow-up 
from uh, some feedback on last episode. I was, uh, right. you know, I think I think I had uh, written a small comment about uh, Heptio, trying to figure out what they were doing and, and trying to compare them to Blue Box. And I guess mm-hmm. I guess I left kind of a snarky comment. H- how did that work out? And I was assured by many people on the Blue Box team that it worked out well. So hey, hey. I know that's the snarky tone for things, but uh, and I kind of probably meant it that way when I wrote it. But that's great that things worked out. I I love that, and uh, and then also I think you know there's been some uh, uh, Jay over at Four Five One Research. Uh, I, he wrote a report on Heptio, and it has some packaging and pricing in there, uh, and and it actually only has pricing for one thing. And you know I read the report uh, a, a little bit, and it looked like. Uh, he still didn't say it's a distribution or not, but it reads like a distribution. It's got all sorts of uh, well, fun stuff in there. They, they, they call it the Kubernetes <clears throat> undistribution. Mm, the Uncola, love it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyhow, it looks like it looks like the starter pack. I don't know what unlimited tickets means, but it has it has twenty five nodes, and that's going to start at twenty four thousand dollars a year list price. So, you know, you can go up. The next tier is 250. Then you got 750 nodes. And so you can kind of like figure out your discounting and pricing. I don't know. Is the rule still like 20% or something or 15%? So you could make yourself some Monte Carlo spreadsheet and figure out the kind of the kind of pricing that you would get on your uh, your Kubernetes node business. Is, is 25 nodes a lot or a little bit for a cluster? Is that basically like a uh, – is that a laptop um, cluster? <laughs> No, but uh, that's not particularly large. I mean, I, I could, you know, if it's twenty-five hosts, it's not that many. But you could, depending on the you know sort of firmware or hardware that that it's run on, you know, that could be, you know, a thousand containers or so. It, it depends, you know, what you're running, how you're running it, where you're running it. Um, but you know, it's probably a small to medium business. You know, if they're all in on on Kubernetes and that sort of stuff. Uh, so, you know, the prices are terrible, at least. To me. I'm sure this is being addressed at uh, Heptio's uh, sales kickoff. Right. Hey. Like, you can could, you could see the first question being like, well, how many nodes does somebody need? Right. So, uh, God, God help. I, I hope it goes well for Heptio. It's yeah. just, it's, uh, you know, but you can kind of see just these questions, right? Just kind of back to the, how it just shows you how difficult it is, right? Like when you start to take something to market and like you're enabling a bunch of sales guys, like they have to figure out all these questions. It's hard, man. I think it's hard to well, figure this stuff out. And when you've got a new product that, you know, it's how do you price an undistribution? You know, you throw a number out there that sounds reasonable. And then, you know, maybe in six months, nine months, uh, next sales kickoff, they'll have a new price. Right, yeah. because it turned out like this wasn't the right pricing model. You know, that's what happens. That's what sales. Yeah, and I think it's. I th- yeah, I totally agree, and I think this is for anybody that like a lot of times people complain about enterprise pricing, and you know, some of it rightfully so. It can be very obscure and it's hard to understand. But I think when you're like this kind of phase of a company, probably just saying pricing starts at twenty five thousand or twenty four thousand, and just leaving it at that is probably the best move, right? Because yeah, you just have yeah. you're going to have to do so much discovery here and price. Price to understand what your pricing power is that it's it's you know putting numbers that almost makes it more confusing for everybody. Well, and and with the sixty person company, you don't want a. I mean, it sounds sounds sad to say, but you don't want a bunch of fifteen hundred dollar customers, right? You, yeah. You can't you can't afford to support them uh, the way that they're going to want, and so they're going to take you know a lot of the the. 
oxygen out of your support organization because you're just not scaled for that. Yeah. So I think what you're getting at, and I totally agree, is just setting the floor, right? You just want to tell somebody it's $24,000. And for those people that could never pay that, they should never call it. You know what I mean? They just don't yeah, ever contact yeah. you. And then people who are like, okay, well, you know, more than I want, but I could do it. Let's get them on the phone. You know, now now you're having the conversation and now you can start to probe for value and start to really work out your pricing metric over time. And and I and, and I'm sure the the floor in that pricing is is actually pretty elastic if you're the right customer, right? You know, at this stage, I'm just you know, uh, <laughs> um, projecting here, but you know, Heptio is probably like, you know, it'd, it'd be really great to have you know a, a tier one retailer as a customer who would stand up and speak at our conference. And the sales guy's like, yeah, but I need to hit my numbers. And like, you know what? We were giving, you know, there's probably like a logo bonus or something like that to, to offset discounted mm. pricing to get, you know, good, good marketing content. What, what do you call that? Uh, a, uh, what do you call that? A spiff riff raff or something? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you retire some quota with, with your I think alliance. It's always like lighthouse account, right? Yeah. Logo bonus. It's always under that. So at the sales kickoff, it should be guys, pricing starts at $25,000 unless they meet the yeah. following criteria. Then you get whatever you get, you know, quota yeah. credit on this, um, and we're willing to do it for these kinds of people. And of course, and when you set the price, like you know, the companies that know that they can do that know who they are, so they they're fine. You know, if if they're Walmart, they know they can call you and get a better price. So you don't even have to. I think even by naming the price, you haven't really excluded them. What you have excluded is the like the to your point, Matt. Right? Is the small startup that isn't going to be a brand name, isn't have the money. It's like you can just disqualify them immediately, which is good for everybody, right? They know not yeah. to call, and you know not to take their call. Mm. Now, now you you know you know what in in my younger days, as it was to, used to be, uh, like I would have made a spreadsheet here to kind of like scenario out you know, to work backwards, right? Like probably, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what their revenue targets are, but let's say 5 million the first year would be awesome, right? And then if you sort of like worked backwards, you're like, well, we're never going to sell list price. And I, I, I love the 24,000, right? Because the first question I always have is like, well, why not 25,000, right? But then you're, you know, then basically you're saying it's a thousand dollars a node, which that's, you don't want that. That's no good. Right. But then you get it down to 24. And according to my math, that's $960 a node. That's still kind of a weird number. But then if you discount the 24,000 down to 20,000, which is like, let's, you know, be serious. And first move in horse trading is going to be like 20,000. And then you're down to 800 a node. Nice round number there. Right. And then, but then what you really want to get down to, I think, is 500 a node. Like, I don't know what breakpoint you get to that, but I mean, 100 a node is good, but that's not realistic. But 500 a node, I mean, now we're talking some turkey. I don't know what rel costs a node, but that's probably your benchmark. So then, yeah. if you wanted to work backwards to uh, 5 million annual recurring revenue, it'd be fun to chart out what their pipeline needs to look like and, you know, their quotas and everything. And then, you know, well, I don't know, it's, you could probably kind of do some math. And now they also have some professional services and other stuff. So what that, is that, that going to be? That's what I was about to like say. Like you yeah. throw in yeah. 700000 to a million or something uh, for, for that amount, and then you make up the rest in uh, your, your, not, your unlicensed licensed software sales. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the deals at this stage in the startup are going to – they're going to essentially look like, you know, open source support. Um, and – you know, they're going to, people are going to want a lot of professional services. Um, I'm sure their investors want that number to continue to decrease 
you know, so it's more software sales, you know, because then you get the the ARR spin, you know, uh, flywheel going. But you know, it's still early days. You know, right. so because the customers they get, they're the twenty four thousand isn't really what's important. What's important is the size of the PS engagement. Man, I love and a flywheel. I think it will happen. I was gonna say, and the other thing that you know, and Matt Ray, I know you and I've been in a company where we did this, is that next year, what will happen if they are successful is next year, they'll just double the price and say, okay, minimum starting cost is 48 or yeah. $50,000, right? The, the VP of sales will just say that. He'll just say, okay, guys, we're not doing any deals below this. And of course they will, but like there's, you know, they, they're constantly moving the bar up and you're trying to get to that 75 or 100K ASE. So if you model it like year three and year four, you're like, oh, okay, we don't need to have you know, so many different, um, so much volume of deals. So that's what they'll try to do. And they're kind of walk up that step. Now, of course, they'll be challenged to deliver more value every single time, right? And this is where the roadmap has to mature as fast as the sales model, if they're doing direct sales, right? And so, yeah. uh, and then if they pivot, right, to like, oh, no, we're going to do a digital play. Okay, well, then you got to, you know, you got to set up your product and your company to do that. So this is like all the different, you know, scenarios that like almost every one of these startups walks through. I mean, I mean, year two, they're going to, well, no, that's not accurate. Year three, they're going to add active directory support. So you just quadruple the price at that point, right? That's some fucking <laughs> Absolutely. value right there. Yeah. Yeah. It will go on there. It'll be enterprise, you know, and the enterprise gets active directory and, and, and some security feature. And then you're going to, and then, and then of course I'll stay stuff like, well, I mean, if it's a real product, it should have had security from day one, but you know, anyway, we all mm. have to learn. We all have mm. to walk this ourselves. Yeah, you know, you know, I think I think the other other interesting thing with this, and I had no idea we'd talk about this so much, but isn't it delightful? Uh, you know, the other thing that's fun is to figure out like once the once the pricing shakes out, like you know, I'm no Doctor Owen Rogers of of my old place four five one research, but it's interesting to think about like now we have a value on a Kubernetes, right? Like in the same way, I would say uh, arguably we would have like we could probably put a value on a Linux server based on what SUSE and Canonical and Red Hat and kind of the market share they have, like what, what they charge for it. And you could, at this point, you can probably put a value on, I don't know what unit y'all use, Matt Ray, but a unit of configuring some shit, right? Like that has a value associated with it now and uh, drift and also compliance. Uh, but like, you know, at the moment, like who knows how much a Kubernetes is worth? Right. Like there's there's no whatever the I guess a node is the unit they have. But over the next couple of years, it will kind of like suss out what uh, how exactly it's valuable, which has a has a knock on effect of like, uh, you know, until, you know, the value of that unit, it's kind of hard to do any sort of ROI case or business case. Right. I mean, doing a business case on all this stuff is ludicrous bullshit in the first place, because usually what people are building on top of it has a loose business case as well, unless they're just replatforming mm -hmm. stuff. And, and then never mind what I just said. But uh, then it'll be interesting if you know this floor of costs, like you'll sort of sort out what's worth it to put put on on this thing uh, based on the effort. But at the right. moment, like it's kind of undetermined what the value of this thing is other than, uh, you know, blossoming a million like GitHub repos and, and conference talks. Right. And I think if I was, you know, running strategy or if I was like the CEO of this company, what you would really want to be doing over the next two to three years is really coming up with like your adjacent product that solves like a really compelling problem that you uncover by doing a bunch of these installations, right? Where it's like, oh, turns out everybody needs to do this other thing when they do Kubernetes. And then don't be afraid to charge for that 
because you've proven like a lot of value in the ecosystem around that. That would give you, because that's what's going to take you from being kind of this like slow growth, you know, kind of like very difficult thing to move up to like, oh, we figured out what the thing is everybody needs. And we have a really good base, base pricing around that. And we're using our, you know, our core product is really lead gen for that. That's mm. how you're going to get to be a mm. really big, successful company, right? Yeah. Versus like fighting the slow growth. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So, sounds sounds like a regular get off of my lawn situation. That's it. Is that get off your lawn? I don't know. I think that's like how to be successful. I'm, so maybe. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, it's 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 competitive, right? Like if if you're uh, if you're selling like at the uh, transformation level, and then you got all these add-ons, it uh, you start being you know you're in 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 the value chain of of all this nonsense enterprise software. There's sort of like the uh, the component dealers. And then there's the, uh, and then I don't know, there's like McKinsey and IBM, like the people who sell like the big, the big old balloon of fun. And, uh, I don't know, it's, it, people go up and down that stack, but yeah, as always, be, it'll be fun to see how that pans out and then how other models come out. And, you know, I bet, uh, I bet doing pricing is kind of interesting and something I would never want to do as, as an analyst. There's a bunch of analysts, you know, you call them up and they help you on deals about pricing, which sounds crazy. Talk about like a uh, virtuous cycle of value, right? Like there must be some name for that effect, but the more work you do figuring out pricing, the more pricing data you have, therefore the more valuable you become about uh, doing pricing. I think they call well, it a, a fractal. That, that's, I mean, that's consulting on, you know, product pricing or consulting on actual deals. I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't buy that extra extra uh, extra Monte Carlo part for my Excel spreadsheet. I uh, there. Maybe that's maybe that's in Google Sheets. I'll go check that out now. Now, on the other hand, well, I I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that this week uh, we at Pivotal finally GA'd our uh, our Pivotal Container Service or PKS. You know, it it has it has some VMware networking in there, and of course, it has a registry. I still haven't solved the mystery of why every single Kubernetes thing doesn't have a registry. It feels like it feels like buying a house that doesn't come with toilets in it. And then, you know, if someone has to supply a toilet, but what do I know? I'm just a baby. But it, it has it has it has a registry in it and all sorts of like uh, all the sorts of things you would expect. And like like all your great Kubernetes things, it also uh, is it, I forget the phrase we use. It's pretty snappy. It uh, keeps up with whatever's in mainline there for you. And then, of course, has all the, the rest of the uh, stuff you've expected from Pivotal Cloud Foundry. So there's my ad for Pivotal. But it is uh, it is out there and available. It'll be to to the thing we started with. I'll have to uh, ask the salespeople what's going on with it out there. What are people saying? What's the scuttlebutt? Yeah, yeah, I've 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 seen it out in the wild already. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, yeah. There uh, you go. A customer I was talking to was baking it off uh, with uh, the old OpenShift. So oh, well, that sounds good, uh, Matt. Ray. The, those, That's good. Those battle lines are being drawn. Mm. But, you know, maybe to close out, because I, I realize, you know, it's only been about 35 minutes, but we we spent a lot of time talking about some bullshit before we were recording. I forget what it was. I'm, I'm sure it was my fault. But uh, I th- tell me, sure tell me, tell me if I'm I'm seeking out doom as as I often do. I don't I don't think my uh, my my quartet of therapists have identified that as something that I do. But I think catastrophizing is somehow up there. You know, I was writing, trying to write uh, an abstract for a new talk. And I was sharing it with uh, Tasty Meets Paul, and uh, he made me realize that I'm pretty fucking negative 
in in my talk abstracts. So I should probably be more cheery. Maybe that's why those O'Reilly people always give me the middle finger when I try to go talk at their fancy events. Because they're like, this guy's a buzzkill. No, no uh, good. I don't know. No, no, nobody wants a buzzkill unless... Uh... Uh, yeah, you're just not a like a flamboyant enough buzzkill. You like mm. you're kind of a middle of the road buzzkill. Yeah, right? yeah. I'm no Simon Wardley pooping all over your strategy. Think like that's I. I don't know how he pulls that <laughs> off. Well, yeah, yeah. Or uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of people who like you know they make their hay being you know the destroyer, uh, you know the the popper of balloons, right? Oh. You know, you're like oh, you know. We've got a great ideas about no sequel, and then like let me introduce you to Jepson and destroy all your thoughts about you know cap theory. Yeah, um, you know, but that's that's a valuable service. Yeah. Uh, so either Kote, you got to become much more negative or much more positive. Yeah, you know, I miss I missed <laughs> the no uh, I miss I missed the monitoring sucks train, and then I missed the train after it, which is like monitoring actually doesn't suck. So maybe I need to predict yeah. what the next monitoring train. I think I think uh, you know monitoring. That's always you got always got to put your put your wet finger in the wind and see which way the the train's going. But uh, I don't know. Anyways, I, I've been noticing that you know there there's uh, so are are we supposed to be using Kubernetes directly now or or is that something that only the Morlocks are supposed to you? What, what what's what's going on out there? What are you what are you seeing out in the Morlocks. field? Morlocks. Morlocks. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Morlocks. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean it, it's 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 OpenStack again, right? It's it's mm. easier than OpenStack apparently, but really, like, it, it's kind of the same argument. Are you in the business of running infrastructure, or can you get it from somewhere else? And you know, do do you want to put dedicated staff onto you know keeping this this thing going, or do you want to consume it from? A vendor or a cloud. Yeah. Does this mean we're going to start debating JavaScript frameworks again? Because that was always fun. That w- that would be good uh, if we just talked about that. Is that do people still use that case. JavaScript? Is that still a thing? ECMAScript? Shouldn't you be on the the front side talking about that? Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I bet I bet listeners would like that podcast, the front side podcast. You should go check that out. They even have someone talking about blockchain on there. I think, which which is uh, thrilling for them. Mm, that's pretty good. Well, uh, related, before we uh, unfortunately give you a short episode and, and wrap up, uh, I think I think in between recording here, speaking of me being too negative, uh, I, I had one of my, my feature articles uh, for the register come out and uh, in which I tried to figure out if DevOps is still a thing or ever was. And, you know, first of all, I, I know some of the people uh, uh, who, who uh, I talk with, like, listen to the show, but it was nice. I talked, I, I reached out, as they say, to a bunch of people. And they actually gave me some quotes and comments, which is fun. Our friend Nancy is in there that we mentioned earlier. There's Bridget, good old yeah, yeah. John Willis, various other people. And uh, are you in there, Matt? I forget. No, but but man, um, I should have asked. I I I definitely enjoyed the article. And oh, um, that's sweet of you. I, I'm using it as as research content for a uh, for a keynote submission I'm doing, and where I'm going to be very positive about that one. Whoa, you you know what <laughs> that that would be a regular teaching moment for me because I I shit you not I that is exactly what I was trying to write a talk around is that article Matt, but I couldn't like. Mm. I, I couldn't like you know plug up my my uh, my shit machine and be positive like I was just being totally negative about it. So I should I should see what your abstract is and how how you make it oh, uh, that, how you make it O'Reilly a lot friendly. More well, well, I, but but also you're so like, nice though, Matt. Right? Um, Everyone loves Matt. 
Well, it, it's it's I, I'm, I'm working on uh, a keynote submission for a new DevOps days, right? Over here in APAC, uh, you know, the, the good word hasn't spread everywhere yet. And so, you know, part of it will be, hey, 101 stuff, you know, but then there's like, hey, you heard about all these things. And, you know, that's what your article kind of drilled down into is like, you know, what about this SRE thing? What about this observability? Yeah. And tie it all together in a nice, nice 30 minute session that has something for everyone. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, you know, while we're on that topic, very, very busy news week. I mean, I have to admit there was uh I, I, I was I was thinking, I wish I was still an analyst so I could get to the bottom of this Oracle automates everything. Because, like, with the time, I'm not going to go look into that. I read some articles. Sounds like they're doing great automation. Fantastic. But, like, it would be yep. nice to actually, like, dig into that more and, and see what's going on. I, I'm always interested in Oracle. It's just, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to get past their bluster. But every now and then, like, you know, they have the uh, – what was the name of the Austin startup that they bought? Anyone remember? Stack? Stack Austin, uh, Stack Engine, Stack Engine, Stack Engine. Yeah. You know, I yep. every every not every time, but more or less, whenever I see someone from Stack Engine talk, I'm like, I like the cut of their jib. They're 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 doing some mm -hmm. good talking. They do good stuff there. But anyways, that would have been fun to dig into. But like I said, uh, I didn't have time. But that that uh, let me let me ask you this question. Since you traipse around, and Brandon, you always have good notes. Like, can you successfully just submit a talk that's sort of like? here's a survey of things like what's this thing over there what's this thing over there like i don't i don't know i don't know if i've ever put together a talk that doesn't have like uh advice in it that's more just like an overview of, of what's going on well yes but it has to be because you are already a known person mm. right i i mean you know and that that's that kind of sucks but you know the 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 sorts of survey talks are usually you know, feature talks or keynotes. And so they're like, uh, you know, who wants, you know, Joe Blow has opinions. Do I want that? Um, you know, maybe Joe Blow can, you know, workshop that if you, at, at, you know, meetups and, and, and stuff. And then, you know, eventually, you know, somebody will, will like, oh yeah, you know, he writes for the register and, you know, he spoke at this conference and yeah, let's, let's hear what, you know, Cote has to say about this stuff. Mm. Um, so, Yes, you can, but um, my there, there's there's not you know it would be nice if if everything was uh, you know uh, I guess if all talks were not based off of you know were were based off of like the merit of the proposal, but usually you know when you're organizing a conference, you're like you know we need to get somebody who you know people know and they're like I want to hear what that guy or you know that that gal is saying and. Yeah. So you can do a survey talk, but, you know, you have to be like, you know, a Bridget or a Cote. Mm. Right. But I got some ideas for you, Cote. I think, one, most all analyst talks are just what you said. They're basically oh, yeah. just just them going through. So so for sure you can do it. I mean, like that's again, I think every analyst talk kind of degenerates to like some uh, graph of some something to ask and then them pontificating on like what what it means. And uh, uh huh. For you, we could what we could do. I've because uh, as I've been talking to other people, is like one we could do a a survey of the software defined uh, talk audience. Who thank you for everyone that uh, contributed to the last survey, and you could definitely present that. And there's even a company here in town, Trust Radius, that I've 
been trying to talk to a little bit about like, hey, they do, uh, they allow people to just go on and review all kinds of software. So I was talking to them, like maybe there's something we could do with them about getting our own survey. Because I do think that's the one thing about analysts, they just have the time and the desire uh, or incentive to do surveys, but there's nothing that stopped us from, because um, I think one of the most popular surveys I see all the time is uh, the developer survey that's done oh, by, yeah. Uh, yeah. what is it? Um, just forgot the name of it, Stack uh, Stack Overflow, or what is that thing? But anyway, um, but it's not done by any one group. It seems like it's done by just kind of like a consortium. So yeah, yeah. the more of that that's out there, the better for everybody. Because it's like, why do we have to pay a lot of money to just survey ourselves? You got you got your uh, your sort of Mary Meeker of infrastructure stuff going on there. Yeah, you know, uh, I don't I don't know if he does it anymore, but Jeffrey Hammond at Forrester, along with Doctor Dobbs. Remember Doctor Dobbs? They used to do fun surveys of, of what the developer landscape is like. That's that's good. Yeah, you know, and you're and you're also you're also reminding me. I, I see a lot of those analyst talks. Like, I think I think I got a new theory because I was just flipping through the slides in my mind from analysts. Like, if if you have enough smart art, all of a sudden an analyst presentation just spontaneously forms. You know, as long as you have that one arrow with the balls at the bottom that's going up. If I remember, a few chevrons, bam, you got an analyst talk. So you well, can, you can yeah. get into the business and, that and, way. And if you are related to the survey, you know, like you're the company that sponsored it or, you know, whatever, you can usually use that as, you know, the next two months of, of talks. You know, if, if you time it, you can say like, hey, we've got the, you know, DevOps State of the Union or, you know, whatever survey. And, and like, I'm going to use it at this, you know, I'm going to keynote it here. I'm going to show it there. And, you know, we'll. It's it's if you want to have a reoccurring talk, <laughs> um, that that might be something you could use. Like I don't know if Pivotal has surveys like that, but you know it could be like you know the Pivotal developer survey, and you know Cote's going to talk about it until you know May. Mm. You know that's, that's right, good, but I do that's think what would be more interesting. I was gonna say, but I think you actually have the your article really sets up though. I think I would you know if I could. My suggestion is to go that direction because really at the end, I, I took from your article. And so here I get to ask the author. I like it. It's like breaking the wall of the book. I'm just going to ask. My conclusion was like, hey, you know, DevOps is this broad thing, but really it's okay to have a, a specific person with a specific title, site reliability engineer that was kind of an ops, but we're going to ask him to code now. And that's kind of going to be his job. Like it's okay to have that person. It doesn't mean like everybody – had to learn everything. And I don't know, it's just sort of like permission to kind of like build some structure into like DevOps and give some titles and like make people feel comfortable, which, you know, I don't know, I, I think is, if you will, a little controversial, you know, I don't know, and maybe mm. not to everyone, but I think, I think like just saying that out loud to everyone, like you're going to have a team, they're going to be these guys called SREs, they're going to do this. They're not going to like be the architects, there's going to be some guys called architects like that is actually informative in my opinion and it makes people think right some people may disagree but they'd still walk away like okay you know there's something to that yeah have a have a, have a title it, it, it makes it accessible oh yeah that's yeah. Ha have a title something like you know actually silos are fine and then and then <laughs> and then if it was me writing it i would end that with fuck you but you know i should probably delete that part <laughs> Uh, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll keep workshopping that one. Let's go. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I kid. I kid. I, I, uh, I'm playing the character of Kote here. 
And uh, but anyways, <laughs> that's that. That'll be fun. That's good. That's good. L- look at. I know the listeners enjoy a little uh, Cote therapy session. We used to have a whole podcast that was basically about talking about this type of stuff. So uh, you know, enjoy that. But uh, so so I'll give you a few pointers to some of the things. That, I'm sure these will show up in the newsletter. But you can also check the show notes at software defined talk dot com slash one twenty one because this is episode one hundred twenty one. Now, uh, speaking of analyst thing, there's a fun survey about like uh, BI and and uh, AI and ML stuff from Gartner. Very hopeful sort of look into there. And also, uh, New Relic finally made a profit, which is exciting, right? Like, there's another thing that if you had a fancy yeah. spreadsheet, you could sort of chart it out, and it would be an instructive sort of. Uh, path a common path for a a systems management company it's always good to know kind of like what a roadmap looks like uh sort of numbers wise and uh you know let's see there's also uh there's there's some sort of like m a action instead and going private and things like that but just either either you know check out the newsletter we'll send out at the end of the week at softwaredefinedtalk.com and there's a newsletter link or uh you can go look at the show notes as as mentioned previously uh, and there's there's a few. I think Brandon collected a few stories of uh, people screwing up security inside and doing some kind of uh, dumb stuff. But but there there's some stories of victory there as well, and something involving Canada, which is funny because it's like a Canadian train person who is actually working in Minneapolis. So regular regular Thomas Friedman story there, as as I recall. They, they took our jobs. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, NAFTA. Am I right? Well, uh, next week, uh, if you listen to this early enough, I'm going to be speaking, speaking of speaking, at DevOps Day Charlotte. I'll be there on Friday. Our friend Tasty Meets Paul will be there two days. Just finally making him work for his paycheck. But if you're over there in Charlotte, he's speaking as well, I believe. You should uh, come on by and uh, talk with us. I'm sure we will have a bucket full of webcam screens and maybe some books uh, that, that you can use. People love those webcam things webcam and uh you know there's a few there's a, there's a few other conferences i'll be going to as well and uh y'all have ChefCon up in chicago right matt ray yeah yeah uh tickets uh are available now um we've lowered the price a bit and added uh some some more training options so i think it's like for under a thousand bucks you can get you know full access and get some certifications and Good stuff, but mm. uh, May twenty second through the twenty fifth in lovely Chicago. Yeah, that is a nice place. I like the color of that river that goes through the city. It's a nice, nice greenish color. It's very, very pretty. Well, uh, so so let's uh, let's do our recommendations, Matt. This week, what are you recommending? This, uh, well, I got two things. Uh, one is a, a short lived TV show called Crashing uh, that uh, I. I guess it was probably BBC or something. It's uh, uh, it's about uh, some property guardians in uh, which is a thing, and uh, I I did not know this was a thing in the UK, uh, where uh, you have people who live in kind of abandoned properties to keep the squatters out. Um, uh, anyway, like six episodes uh, came out in 2016. I, I guess it's done. Very adult, very funny. Um, you know. Uh, I'd watch that again sometime. And then a uh, uh, link to David Byrne uh, from Talking Heads uh, doing a cover of David Bowie's uh, Heroes song with a group called Choir, 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 uh, where they get uh, an impromptu volunteer choir. It's, it's really good if, uh, you know, if you like David Bowie or David Byrne or uh, choirs. Now, you know, I don't know anything about that David Byrne guy. 
but I hear about him every yeah. now and then. And and he would be someone who would be fascinating to read one of those uh, how people operate and approach life things from, right? Because I feel like oh, yeah. I feel like he, you know, had his, his rock and roll thing with like, you know, Campbell soup can guy and all that whole scene, like in the big suit way yeah, back then. Yeah. But somehow he's sort of transformed into some sort of other like artist class thingamajiggy where he's just always doing mm-hmm. projects and exploring stuff. And like, it is sort of like that steady state of like uh, producing or, or however, whatever you would call that, that is. And so it's, it'd be interesting to know like how, how that get gets maintained and how that motivates someone and how they discover new things. And, you know, it'd be similar to like, yeah. it's similar, like, uh, like an ongoing successful writer or, or sort of like culture creator. You're always like, man, never mind how you get your ideas, but how do you like do all that work and like figure that all out? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, it's different medium, but Warren Ellis is kind of like that, right? Mm, Where you know, yeah. he's got, but but he's got his newsletter at least, and so it kind of digs in, and you know he uncovers a bit of his his mo and yeah yeah, uh, yeah. that's true. He's always complaining about missing a deadline and, and telling you about some cool <laughs> comic book. But what are you gonna do? How about yourself, Brandon? What do you have to recommend this week? Uh, this week I was gonna recommend Competing Against Luck. It's uh, Clayton Christensen's latest book. It's the story of innovation and customer choice. So in this one, you know, I just feel obligated to read all his books. Uh, he uh, really highlights and discusses the whole jobs to be done methodology. So like a lot of these books, I just like to like think of new ways to think about that. I don't think there's necessarily, if you've been building products for a long time or selling stuff, I don't know if it's necessarily new to you, but it's kind of a good refresher of like, okay, well, how do I frame this up? How do I think about it from like what the customer's trying to do? How do I maybe use that jobs to be done framework to uncover some different ways to peel the onion of customer needs? So overall, that was like good. I mean, like not, like I said, not necessarily brand new, but like a good way to think about it. So well, like a lot of his books, I always think, well, you could, uh, if you had the time and money and were smart enough to get into Harvard, you could go sit in his class and that would probably be good. Or every couple of years, you could just uh, read one of his books, which is the path I've done. So mm-hmm. uh I like it. Uh, check it out. It's a good listen. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll check that out because, you know, I've always been trying to find a formal write-up of jobs to be done, and I've never really found it. I mean, there's things here and there and some weird HBR article, I think, that someone wrote, but never like a uh, a better treatment of it. I think – and maybe it's also because I haven't like really listened to uh, Horace Deju in a long time. He used to talk about that all the time, but now he's just like, you know, Apple sh- units shipped and electric cars. So uh, it's too bad. But he was fun. Well, speaking of Apple units shipped, maybe disproving the point I was just making. So this week, uh, you know, I mentioned that I got an iPad Pro 10 and a half inch edition. No, that's fine. But I also got I, I got this Apple Pencil. I don't know if you've heard of the Apple Pencil, but man, it's amazing. It like works. Like and uh, I got this. You can put your palm on it and like write with it. And uh, it is a little dorky. And, and I feel like maybe I would break it if I like stuck it in my pocket, that's the last, it should really have a cap to it. But there's this app called good notes. And, uh, it's, it's one of those apps where like you look at it initially and you're like, I don't, I don't want to get involved in this scene. This, this looks like I'm going to outfit my, you know, my house with stuff from like whatever they call garden Ridge nowadays. 
it's, the UI is a little weird, but man, it's a really good app. And uh, you can basically, it's basically with the, the pen works so well, it's like having an actual like notebook that you're writing on. And uh, it's just like, it's phenomenal. Like I find myself just writing in it. This really works just to have an excuse to write in it. But you should check that out. I think they have refurbished ones for $85. Or you can uh, you can be, be a big big boy and girl and just pay like 95 for it. You'll be fine. And, you know, another, another little pro tip for that. I thought since I travel a lot, I should buy like a box for it. So I got this Belkin fancy box or whatever. But I ordered that before I got the pen. And the pen, as with all Apple things, comes in a very solid box that's very small. And you could just use that box for traveling. You can, you don't, it'll hold all your stuff and you don't need to buy some extra travel box. You could actually use that for it. So uh, that's what I got this week. Well, I know we've, uh, we've inundated, deluged, and probably bored you with a bunch of hustling, but there's a few things we didn't mention. I mean, one, thanks again to uh, Datadog for sponsoring us in this episode. If you remember, go to datadog.com slash software to find talk, create a dashboard, get a free t-shirt, make everyone happy. It'll be fun for you. But also, uh, if you want to get stickers, you can send us an email at stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. Just send us your mailing address because we're not that creepy where we would know it otherwise. You can also get some shirts. We have a discount code. Uh, you know what that code is, Brandon? I don't. It'll be in the show notes. Yes. Well, that's what we Oh, need. I do. I'm sorry. I do. It's SDTFSG. S-D-T-F-S-G. There you go. Or you can just go to the show notes, softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 121. You can see the discount code to get yourself a Software Defined t-shirt. That is the t-shirt that I'm wearing. And as always, you can join us in the Slack channel with a bunch of your fellow listeners, chat about delightful things. There's lots of talks about uh, backpacks, machine learning, all sorts of stuff like that that you can keep up with. And we post things that we'll be talking about there. Uh, so basically, you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com, you can just blow a whole day there and uh, worry about your, your tickets and your GitHubing tomorrow instead of today, which is what I advise. So with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye.